It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Huge win for Pirate Basketball last night. And uh, we've got more Pirate Hoops coming your way. Top of the hour. Looking forward to uh, bringing you uh, coverage of uh, ECU and Houston women's basketball tonight on uh, 94.3 The Game. 5.45 will be the pregame countdown. And uh, we have uh, Scott Rogers on the call of uh, the game. So stand by for that. Welcome in, everybody. Delighted to have you along uh, ECU with a grinder last night. They beat Tulsa 62-60. We're going to go through uh, all of the post-audio in our Pirate Report. Uh, Jaden Walker, big night for him, a career-high 24. Gritty road win, only the uh, second of the year in conference for the Pirates. Uh, R.J. Felton, 14-9. and We'll hear more from R.J. coming up, but this is what he had to say in the aftermath. Every time when the game goes down, I, I just want to... I was trying to hit the big shots at the big times and and um make winning plays. This win right here is is big. It's like for our morale. We had came off a loss against SMU, so um, we we had, we had bounced back on this one. They did, and uh, ECU with some uh, tough shooting of the basketball, particularly in the first half, missed a lot of looks. Had a few roll out on them. Uh, made some shots down the stretch when it counted, and the Pirates were able to persevere. Huge win. For uh, ECU as they wrap up their two-game road trip with a split. Now we'll come back and get number one Houston on Saturday night at 8 o'clock at uh, Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. Uh, so we'll have uh, tickets for you to uh, head to that game. We'll have a pair plus a Chico's Mexican restaurant gift card coming up in just a moment. So stand by to dial for that. Elsewhere, ECU on the diamond dropped a 6-5 decision in 10 innings to Campbell. That was at Jim Perry Stadium. You heard that right here on 94.3 The Game. Camels out-hit the Pirates. Uh, they drew seven walks. Pirate pitching struck six Campbell batters. There were some bright spots, but uh, Campbell was just a little bit of the tougher team last night. You know, they, they returned so much as far as productivity with the bats, particularly at the top of their lineup. And uh, it was just not a... Uh, a, a Good good lesson for ECU, I think, on the road. Uh, didn't do the things in Cliff Godwin's thoughts that they needed to do to win. Again, we'll hear more from Coach Godwin coming up in just a couple of seconds here uh, as far as that goes. Uh, a couple of other things uh, from yesterday. We, of course, were preempted by baseball, but they released the baseball uh, football schedule. And the Pirates, uh, as we know, are opening the season at Michigan on the 2nd. They'll be back at home against uh, Marshall on the 9th for the home opener. A trip to Boone the next week, September 16th, week three. And then week four, uh, the non-con wraps up with Gardner-Webb at home on the 23rd. Pirates will begin their 10th campaign in the American against Rice, the newcomer to the uh, American Athletic Conference, September 30th in Houston. 
Of course, uh, back in the old Conference USA days, ECU and Rice were uh, conference opponents. So very interesting. The Pirates will go from the 100-plus-thousand-seat big house and then a raucous environment at Kid Brewer in uh, Boone to the cavernous uh, stadium that Rice plays in for the opener a few weeks later. Uh, Pirates will get an early break in the schedule as far as the off week, October 7th, come back with the game against SMU on the 12th. That's a Thursday night game. The Thursday game plays out pretty well. I like it when you don't have that Saturday before, so the turnaround is not as great or as uh, stark maybe. There's nothing great about it. And uh, then they'll have Charlotte on the 21st. I am a little disappointed that it's Tulsa who the Pirates are wrapping up with and not Charlotte. I think uh, if you're going to be tethered to a team, the league needs to look at that being the last game of the year between all those teams playing one another, if at all possible. And, of course, uh, spring ball for the Pirates fires up in about three or four weeks here, the 14th, and we'll have uh, the spring game on April 8th, Purple Gold Pigskin Pigout uh, weekend on the 8th of April. This was a little bit of a perplexing and, and unexpected move, I guess. With the 28th overall pick, it was a fourth-round pick in the USFL draft, the New Orleans Breakers select ECU running back Keaton Mitchell. Mitchell declared for the NFL draft last season, after last season, and he's been invited to the Combine, but I guess he has a fallback plan now as he could go to play for the USFL New Orleans Breakers. Now, our friend Doug Martin is the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Breakers, so he has a pretty good insight into what Keaton Mitchell's all about because he watched him every game this year, in person or otherwise. So uh, there you go. Uh, first round of the uh, high school basketball playoffs last night. Congratulations to all the winners. Don't have enough time here today to, to dive into that. Uh, I have been called away for some TV duties tomorrow uh, with uh, the weather coming this weekend, things moving around. I've uh, been called in to do some ECU softball tomorrow on ESPN+. Plus. So, Ben, uh, we'll get you through uh, everything tomorrow, and we'll have a big announcement with Ben coming up here uh, next week as well. So uh, we'll grab a break right now. I want to do Caller 7. You'll win a pair of tickets to East Carolina, Houston on Saturday night. A deuce, a pair of tickets, plus a Chico's Mexican Restaurant gift card if you're Caller 7 at 252-561-GAME. 252-561-4263. Jerry Palm's still to come. He'll join us as we'll talk bracketology. But your chance to win tickets to see ECU and the number one team in the land, Houston, Saturday night at 252-561-GAME. Pirate Report next. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. Pirates, as we told you, with a big, big... Big, big victory uh, last night as uh, they get the win at Tulsa. Back-to-back years they've won there, which is no small feat given Tulsa's uh, just, uh, you know, heritage, basically. 
Now, this has not been vintage Tulsa the last couple of years, but they've got a darn good coach now. His team is just uh, not a great roster. I think that'll improve under Conkle there in Oklahoma, but we'll see. But uh, big, big win for the Pirates last night. I don't think that would be anything that could be understated in any way. Uh, great that this team is still fighting and going at it as hard as they can. It wasn't pretty, and there was some doubt, but... Uh, what a win for Mike Swartz's ball club. This is what he had to say after the game. Sometimes uh, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the way the game looks, the prettiness of the game is is secondary uh, to, yeah. to what the end of the game result is. And, uh, you know, re- really just proud of the guys, the grit. We just talked about in there. We thought that was a very gritty win because, as yeah. you said, it wasn't pretty all the time. There was a lot of foul trouble. Uh, we had to play a lot of guys that have not played minutes in quite a, quite a bit. And it's really proud of, of some of the efforts, particularly from someone like uh, David Kasanga and I, to come in the game and change the game defensively. And then, obviously, uh, the effort uh, from, from Jaden Walker all around to play 40 minutes, play through foul trouble. I thought he was tremendous. As you heard, David Kasanga and I, uh, it's not going to show up in a lot of what happened in the box score and that kind of thing, but he came out, he uh, did a lot of the little things, the dirty work, and according to ECU basketball coach Mike Swartz, that was one of the things that was able to get the Pirates through on the victory. Yeah, it was huge. Again, foul trouble, and, and I will say this, Kyle, there is, a, there is a number on that box score that's as important to any as coaches, and that's the plus-minus, nice. and Dave is plus 11, the highest for both teams. That's a big so one. So that, that box score number was there for Dave, and uh, that, that's the number when you don't have measurable statistics that plus minus usually shows to what you just spoke of just the energy the what he brought to the team coming off the bench playing 19 minutes i mean uh so again dave does it every day in practice and for him to be ready we did talk about this we said going into this game after we lost the game to smu we said hey we're on the road for four days we're going to need everybody this is an everybody effort we don't know whose number is going to be called i thought val gave us really good minutes in the first half i mean we had ezra and brandon both had foul trouble and we we didn't get anything out of them in the first half, uh, but I thought both guys bounced back nicely. And you know what? Brandon may not have had his best all-around game, but when it counted, we all knew Brandon would, would make that shot in the corner, and he did. A couple three throw, free throws there as well in the corner three for Brandon Johnson was huge. But 18 points against SMU, 24 points tonight for Jaden Walker. What has this road trip shown you about what he could bring? Yeah, that he's that you know when he is playing like this, and he, you know, this was. He has been playing well here recently, and, you know, Jaden Walker is someone that came here with the ability to play some point guard, and obviously with the injury to Javon, he's had to play quite a bit more, and he's settling in, and he's settling in. I thought he did a great job reading ball screens. I thought he did a great job finding guys. He had 10 assists versus uh, SMU, so... Um, again, I think Jaden is settling in and, and just really proud of his effort, and he had to do it with foul trouble. And that, is, that isn't always easy, to stay aggressive with foul trouble because we couldn't afford for him to go out of the game tonight. Yeah, and uh, Jaden Walker's playing some fantastic uh, basketball right now. He is uh, obviously coming off that career-high 24 last night, but he has really taken to the role as lead guard for this team and has controlled the tempo and... He was asked, was Coach Schwartz after the game about, you know, how much more of a vocal uh, leader and and guy that doesn't get rattled despite having to be kind of an emotional leader for this team uh, that uh, that that Jaden Walker has been. This is uh, Coach Schwartz's reply to that question from Mike Perry. 
You know, Mike, he's doing it in the timeouts, too. He's very vocal in those timeouts, which is so big for us. And you think about this. You know, we had worked pretty heavily last week on being up three and fouling. It, you know, we had just spent time. You know, we were in that close ball game versus Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and we were in the close game versus SMU at home that we won. So we had spent time working on it. And it was a little bit earlier than we wanted to go to it. But you know what, Mike? We, we felt like we weren't necessarily in the best position to go to overtime this game right. because of foul trouble and because so we said man we're going to play this out let's make our free throws let's take care of the ball so when I, I say this for this reason that first two times we get the ball in exactly what we wanted to execute we get it into rj we mm-hmm. get it in to the guys we want to the free throw line the last one Jaden has to improvise we're out of timeouts we got guys in the lineup for rebounding in terms of luji and dave's in the game so we have a little bit of a different lineup in and they have to improvise and i thought Jaden made a great read to throw it long to ezra yeah ezra goes and catches the ball makes a great he looked like dk metcalf catching the ball <laughs> and you know what uh so it ended up working out but i think the poise on a play like that a late game inbound now that's two games he's done that yeah. where with no timeouts he's had to make a play i mean Tulsa is going to be in a frenetic defensive pace to try and they were denying RJ. They're doubling. It's not easy to get it in. Right. And so I thought Jaden made three great passes. We got it in twice. We made four free throws. Uh, and then the last one, he makes a read when we have no timeouts and he gets the ball to Ezra. So not only was uh, David Kasunganai, especially what he was doing on defense, deflecting, denying, coming up with a steal in the game late, uh, was he one of those X factors? But so was Luigi Debo. Luigi. You know, does a lot of things defensively and rebounding, and Luigi's uh, really been, uh, in in that re- regard, a, an energy source for this team this season. Comes off the bench and isn't going to play a ton of minutes. He knows it, but he makes the most of his time in there. Uh, really made a great catch and, and a find for Brandon Johnson, who buried a big three on a night where he was struggling from deep. That thing kind of put this away. That was a big moment in the game, and then there was a big defensive play involving B.J. Late. So uh, just some plays in the anatomy of a win on the road, always tough to do. And this is Coach uh, Swartz reacting uh, to all of those uh, moments involving B.J. as the protagonist. We spoke about Luigi when he was on the roll. You remember in the first half, he rolled and he got the charge. Right. And we mm-hmm. talked about that. We talked about that at halftime. Mm-hmm. Luigi, you're going to roll. You're going to be open. We're going to get you the ball. But you're going to have to play off two feet and make a read. Right. And he did just that in a crucial Absolutely. moment. We talked to Brandon mm-hmm. earlier in the half. Brandon, you're going to make that shot because I don't know if you remember, we ran a play in isolation for RJ and we swung the ball to Brandon. He didn't shoot it. Right. And mm-hmm. we wanted him to shoot that ball. And we said, Brandon, shoot the next one. Right. You're going to make it. And he More from Coach Swartz talking about uh, some of the uh, shots that the Pirates inevitably started to make that they weren't making early on. Yeah, I wish we could have made some of those open looks as you and I talked about at halftime. Yeah. We had some really good looks in the first half. Uh, and, you know, but sometimes sometimes it'd be like that, right? they, as they, you know, so they, you know how they, they say yeah, it. They, sometimes it'd be like yeah, that. Yeah, they won't just open looks. I mean, there was not even a defender anywhere in the vicinity, man. It was crazy how but, open they were. But we made a, RJ made a couple in the second half that we really needed. We hit one. We called a timeout. I just thought our guys, we had to use timeouts to try and get them a little bit of a breath because we were playing full-court defense and, you know, uh, we were fortunate to find a way to come out with this one on the road with the win. So a sensational win over Tulsa, and that's a big deal, folks. That should not be understated in any way. Pirates uh, defeat uh, the Golden Hurricane last night in Oklahoma, 62-60. to Now, uh, here in the postgame, the interviews are, are taking on more of a free-flowing conversation, which I love. I think it's great. makes it a little hard for our guys to, you know, get clips. 
So as opposed to clipping R.J. Felton, who, who did, he gave some great answers, but not real lengthy answers, I'm just going to air the whole R.J. Felton uh, post-game interview from last night. R.J. with 14 and 9 and came up big down the stretch for the Pirates in the win. As R.J. Felton is joining us right now. <laughs> shots up, not up, falling, but you still get you still make plays, even though the shots aren't falling. You still make winning plays, man. Yes, sir. Um, I had I had to find a way to um, learn how to contribute. Um, even on even when my shots not falling, I got to learn how to play defense, uh, make plays for others, and uh, find a hot man. Well, I, t- I tell you one thing that you do, man. It seems like every game this happens, you get entangled with post players in the paint, and you're wrestling with them. Shot goes up, and you actually elevate over them and get an offensive rebound. That seems like that happens every game. Yes, sir. Um, you got it's a it's a war down there, man. Um, I got to fight with some, with some bigger players than me, man. I, I saw you defensively <laughs> get masked up on Salabonje a few times, and you were front them in the post, and you would get it low, and you were driving them back uh, into the baseline. Yes, sir. Um, we practice that every day in practice. Coach wants to be aggressive. Um, first of all. First of all, he's a great player. He, yeah, he's he's a very player. strong. He's a very strong. I ain't going to lie to you. That's not just practice. That's squat rack, right? I mean, that's that's hitting the weights and hitting yeah. the gym. Because if you're you're going up against him at 6'8", 225, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you must throw around a little bit of weight in the weight room. Right? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I, I hang on. What does we call it? Um, the clean? Yeah, I clean uh, by like 225. Okay. Deadlift about 600. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's, he, that's and he Coach looks, Perry and, territory right there. And, and he looks like he can do it, too. No doubt. That's the other thing. He looks like he can do it. How much does a win like this build confidence in a locker room? Because you, you go on the road, you, you, you grit this one out. Coach used the term gritty. That's that's really what this was coming out on top by two. Yeah, um, yeah. Coach emphasized grit every time when we in the locker room. This win right here is is big. It's like far morale. We had came off a loss against SMU, so um, we, we, had, we had bounced back on this one. Yeah, this is a huge one. You know, RJ, I, 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 one of the things you've been able to do, and you did it in the SMU game, and you did it tonight. It looks like when teams are almost kind of like get it. It looks like they're they're building a lead, and it's almost like they're going to put some distance between themselves and the Pirates. And you seem to come up with a big shot to kind of stop that run. And um, and you did it again tonight. You did it twice. It looks like they were they were they were close to, but they had ten point leads. And each time, bang bang, you made three point shots. I mean, you stepped up big to stop a run that the other team makes. And uh, Mark Jackson, as you hear in the NBA game, said, there goes that man. And that's what I'm saying on the <laughs> sideline. When, when it looks like things are looking a little dismal for the Pirates, you have a way of stepping up and delivering. Yes, sir. Um, I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to say it, but um, every time when the game go down, I, I just want to – I was trying to hit the big shots at the big times and, and um, make winning plays. Well, I tell you, you've done a great job on the isolation plays that Coach runs for you. I love that isolation action there in the top of the key area. That's become your bread and butter. And it's funny, we were talking to one of the Tulsa assistants before the game, and that's one of the things that he mentioned. He said, R.J. Felton killed us at their place with that isolation <laughs> stuff, and we saw him against SMU. We're going to try to do anything we can to stop him from doing that. I saw they double-teamed you tonight to try to prevent you from uh, killing them up there. Yes, sir. They was doubling me off the catch. I, once, I, once I grabbed the ball, once I got the catch, man, I saw two people run at me, so I was like, man, I got to make the easy play. You did. You made some great plays out of it. Hey, it was a fun one to watch, RJ. Appreciate you taking some time, and, and congrats on the win tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's great. RJ Felton is another one of those young men. You know, he sang in the choir in church coming up, uh, and uh, was just a great basketball player in South Carolina, and he's becoming a really, really very talented player. We knew that already, but he's becoming a really, really, really good player.
could become a great player, but he's become a really, I mean, he's, he's, he has made as big a jump, in my opinion, as, as anybody on the roster. Certainly Javon Small went healthy, but, uh, RJ Felton is right there in many ways, and, and a lot of RJ's best basketball could still be to come. So, uh, great to have that interview there. We appreciate our guys hustling, uh, to, uh, to make sure we have that for you here. Uh, in the aftermath of a big win for the Pirates. On the diamond, the Pirates were not so fortunate. They lost in extras, six to five in ten innings. Uh, Pirates, uh, out hit, gave up, uh, seven walks. Pirate pitching hit seven batters. And according to Cliff Godwin, that is part of what cost them the game last night in Bowie's Creek. We didn't play well enough to win. I mean, you come here, you gotta play well. They got a good team. They're well coached. Uh, you know, good crowd for them. Um, like I just told our guys, man, when we put on the purple gold, man, everybody wants to beat us. Uh, too many freebies on the mound, though, Coach. Uh, we pitched out of some jams, but we gave them too many free 90s. Coach Knight told the pitchers which, whichever pitching staff won the freebie war was going to win the game, and they won it. And historically, we've been on the other side of that where we've won the freebie war and been able to beat them. So uh, they beat us, and, and uh, we'll be ready to go on Friday. Another question was asked about uh, Luke Nowak's performance last night. Uh, three hits, an RBI, also three steals. Had a couple late that actually put him as a potential game-winning run. He's worked his tail off. He had off-season surgery on his shoulder. He didn't even play fall baseball. Had a great summer, and he's a great kid, great student, and uh, he's playing really well. Coach Godwin asked about assessing the Pirate offense last night. We, uh, you know, I didn't think we were having tough enough at bats up and down the lineup, but their pitchers did a good job, so we'll tip our hat, but we'll get better tomorrow. So the Pirates uh, will be back at it this weekend, taking on North Carolina in that three-game series, uh, two of which scheduled for Greenville, one in Chapel Hill. This is Chris Cook here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. ECU women's basketball hits the court tonight at 6 p.m. as they take on 11-14 Houston. Live coverage of the game can be heard right here on 94.3 The Game starting at 5.45 p.m. with our pregame show. ECU men's basketball got a win over Tulsa 62-60 in a game where Jaden Walker scored a career-high 24 points in the Pirates' gritty road win. The Tennessee Titans have released longtime left tackle Taylor Lewin. They also made a bold move today in releasing wide receiver Robert Woods. The Seattle Seahawks have re-signed guard Phillip Haynes to a one-year deal. In some coaching news, Florida defensive coordinator Patrick Toney is joining the Arizona Cardinals as part of their new coaching staff. The Colts are expected to hire Jaguars Jim Bob Cooter as their offensive coordinator. And keeping it in the NFL, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy is now aiming to have his elbow, elbow surgery in March after an injury he sustained in the NFC Championship. Kevin Durant is expected to return either Sunday against the Bucks or Wednesday against the Hornets. This comes after an injury, an injury that he acquired earlier in the season. And finally, Netflix is expected to release a quarterback docuseries this summer involving Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. This 94.3 The Game Sports Update is brought to you by Team Boneyard, an NIL initiative directly supporting Pirate student-athletes. For more info on how to join, please visit teamboneyard.org. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on the other side of this quick timeout, right here on 94.3 The Game. 
more of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. game tonight for UNC and uh, the latest article up from our pal Jerry Palm at CBSSports.com Bracketology Bracketology Bubble Watch North Carolina looks to avoid damaging loss Wake Forest eyes quad one win Uh, we'll go through it all with uh, our pal Jerry Palm been a bit since we've had him on Uh, we we had him with the bowl projections now we have him with uh, uh, with uh, March Madness right around the corner. Jerry, always great to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on again. So, Jerry, let's uh, go with the heels. It's been a big uh, topic of conversation here in this state, <laughs> obviously. You have them in your first four out, number four. Right. Um, they are 0-9 against quad one opposition. That is about as conclusive of evidence as you can have that this is a team that cannot beat good opposition. And that's just, you aren't going to be in the NCAA tournament with that kind of a record against better teams. Now they do have a win over NC state, which is quad two, but that's still a likely tournament team, but you know, that's pretty much it. And that's not going to get it done. Um, they can't help themselves tonight. They can only hurt themselves at Notre Dame. Um, at Notre Dame, one of several ACC teams having, really down years. Um, but, you know, the, they do get opportunities to try and right the ship a little bit and maybe get themselves in the tournament against Virginia and Duke at home uh, before the regular season ends. And then uh, if they aren't able to do it then, they'll probably have to win the conference tournament. Um, they are probably going to need more than one quad one type win if they are going to make the NCAA tournament. And there just aren't a lot of opportunities in the ACC to do that. Yeah. I was going to ask if they get a victory tonight, which you would presume they would, but who knows? I, I, you're right. They could. Do... It would be their worst loss of the year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you got to give Carolina credit for this. They've avoided the soul crushing loss. Right. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about them at all. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if they can, you know, and they've got two of those left on the schedule as well. Right. Um, and one of those is tonight. So, you know, if they can get through those, then it's, you know, can we at some point prove you know, that, uh, that we can beat a better, you know, a better team, but I don't think they're getting in the tournament. It's just a one hit wonder. Either. Right. Well, so let's assume beat Florida State win tonight. Those are two teams that, that theoretically they should be able to beat both on the road. Uh, right. let's say they go one and one against some combination of Virginia and Duke. So three and one to finish the regular year. Is there still work left to be done? What around them yes. is happening? Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. What well, I mean, what around them does matter. Um, I think if they don't win any, either the Virginia or the Duke game, if they don't win either one of those, they have to win the conference tournament. I don't see how they get in otherwise. Okay. Um, if they win one of those, then maybe they could get another high quality win in the conference tournament and still not win it and maybe get in. But gotcha. it's, I think it's going to take two quad one wins for them to have a shot. Understood. Uh, Jerry Pomp, CBSSports.com is with us. Interestingly enough, Wake is behind them nearly 30 spots in the net, yet you have Wake yeah. ahead of, of North Carolina. Why? Well, because the net is not – that's not how the net's used. Um, that, but Wake does have a quad one win. They beat Duke uh, at, at home in the regular season. Now they also have a couple of quad three losses, which are not great. 
Um, they also beat Carolina. They won at Wisconsin. Those are teams they're competing with for spots in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, this is not a great resume either. But the difference is the win over Duke, which is something that Carolina doesn't have. And the committee generally prefers, would rather have a team that could beat somebody even if they have a bad loss or maybe two mm-hmm. uh, than the other way around. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you just, if you definitely can't beat, you know, higher quality opposition, you're not going to get in. And now their schedule, um, it doesn't help them either very right. much. Although NC State on the road, uh, would be a quad one win, uh, at, certainly. And, uh, that would give them two plus one away from home, which is also a big deal. You know, being able to beat quality teams away from home, mm-hmm. uh, which is why Carolina might still need to be, win one in, in the conference tournament because the ones they have are home games. Um, but, you know, for Wake, you know, after that, they don't have any games left that can help them. So this is really their last chance in the regular right. season to try and make a positive impression on the committee. Ahead of them, uh, in your first four out, you have Penn State and Wisconsin. The last four in that you have, and we're talking to Jerry Palm with CBS Sports, uh, Mississippi State, USC, New Mexico, West Virginia. And then the next four out, Utah State, Arizona State, Oregon, and Seton Hall. So how deep does that next four out go? And how, how, how deep are those last four in in trouble? Is there, is there a, is there a safest of the last four in? Not really. Okay. They're all, (laughs) I mean, they're all, they're different. Not, you know, like New Mexico is a different kind of team than Mississippi State because of the schedules that they play. Um, New Mexico's got actually a couple of pretty decent wins away from home. They beat St. Mary's and they beat, San Diego State, that's two top 25 teams away from home, but they've got three quad three losses um, and a quad four. Now, two of those losses came last week when their point guard, who's their number two scorer and leading assist person, was out. But those losses count. You know, it's the, the committee can't assume they would have won. So they're going to really have to play those those teams, you know, those games kind of out of the mind of the committee. And fortunately, the Mountain West has got five teams in the top 50 of the net. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've actually got, they've actually got a better top end than the ACC does yeah. in terms of the opportunities for quality wins. Now they have a, a pretty steep drop off after that, but you know, it's, it's still, you know, if you need quality wins, you're better off in the Mountain West than in the ACC right now. Jerry Palms with us. Uh, number one line, Alabama, Kansas, Purdue, and then Houston. Houston will come into Greenville Saturday night as the number one team uh, in the mm-hmm. polls. Uh, what is the Houston upside as you have them number one in the Midwest? I mean, are they uh, – the bracket as you have it designed intriguing because you have Texas and Tennessee and Gonzaga as the uh, other kind of four top yeah. seeds, if you although, will. So, so yeah, how, although Tennessee's lost last night, right. probably going to drop them down out of there on right. Friday. But, yeah, right. it's um, – Houston, the, the selection committee gave us um, those four teams, and they've been the four best teams for a while um, in the bracket. Uh, Houston is the number two overall team in the mind of the committee, and it's because you know they've got they've got a great record. They're the number one team in the net. Not that that matters that much. Um, they only have two losses, one of which is to Alabama, which is why they're two instead of one, and then they lost at home to Temple. Uh, which is the worst loss, by the way, that any of those four teams have. So, um, I mean, I think if, if I were on the committee, I would have put Purdue and Kansas 
one, two or two, one, mm-hmm. and then had Alabama three, Houston four, just because of the strength of schedule and the high quality wins that Purdue and Kansas have been able to, to accumulate this year because of their strong conference schedules. And in both cases, actually strong non-conference uh, schedules as well. But Houston, I mean, Houston's a terrific team. Uh, they have a great defense. They've got a couple of guys who can light up the scoreboard that they, 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 they don't really do much wrong. But sometimes their offense disappears on them. Mm-hmm. But when you're as good a defensive team as they are, um, you're always in games. And this is one of the best defensive teams in the country. Uh, Duke, uh, number six in the East, according to the latest uh, from Jerry Palm. And they have an opportunity. Uh, obviously, we'll have opportunities. Uh, Virginia Tech is not going to be an easy game for them at home. But then they, they go to UNC. Uh, they have NC State still, so so a chance maybe to move up off that that six uh, line, and, and they're healthy now. Um, right? How how deep uh, is the pool? You know, in, in certain years, uh, we it, it's a total toss up. One of any dozen maybe could win. How how I mean, how, what are the how many true legitimate number wise national championship contenders do you think there are? No, well, I'd say in the neighborhood of ten. None of the we don't have a year where there is a short list of dominant teams. Like you remember a couple of years ago, Baylor and Gonzaga right. were running away with college. Well, we don't have that this year. All four of the number one seeds can be had, um, you know, on the right day or by the right matchup. I mean, there are, there are teams that will give Alabama problems because the way they match up. There are teams that will give Purdue problems because the way they match up. So, you know, this year maybe as more than usual, and which I would say is pretty remarkable because I think the NCAA tournament is all about the matchups. It might be even more about the matchups this year because nobody just overwhelms you with their talent. Yeah. Uh, do you do you, who's a team you think could make some noise? You know, maybe get to the, the deep into the second weekend, or even be a darker dark horse Final Four team. Um, from a little bit lower down the bracket, um, I'll give you a couple of teams that lost last night. Uh, one is, one is Creighton, which was the preseason favorite in the Big East. Uh, they had, uh, some injury problems at a slump in December. Uh, they've come out of that. Marquette beat them at their place last night. Marquette has had a tremendous season. Oh, yeah. That's another one to watch, by the way. Uh, but they may end up being higher seeded than you're looking for here. Um, but, Creighton is probably going to be in the five, six range um, that is playing that they are better than and are playing better than their resume will indicate because of the injuries they had earlier in the season. Um, another one might be uh, TCU mm-hmm. uh, um, with Mike Miles help with a healthy Mike Miles. They are a very different team. And they've taken a few losses this year where he, that are, that have hurt them, their resume and a quad four loss in particular when he did not play. And when he plays, they're, they're a threat to just about anybody. But then the other, and they lost last night too. So, but the, the other one I was thinking of is Indiana mm-hmm. and Indiana was the preseason favorite in the big 10. They've got an all American and Trace Jackson Davis. Um, they also struggled early on didn't look like the team we thought they would be. And then the last month or so have started to play like the team that everybody thought might win the Big Ten this year. They probably won't now. Uh, they take, they did too much damage to themselves. But they'll probably be another team that, that's actually better than their seed. Um, whether or not they can pull it off 
you know, in March 16th in a row remains to be seen. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, great stuff. Uh, and then you'll be updating your bracketology uh, when? Friday. Friday, okay. Friday. And then daily starting Monday. Oh, okay. All right. Jerry Paul. In a conference tournament season. Yeah, CBS Sports. Great to have Jerry with us. Uh, Jerry, I hope we can bug you again before uh, Selection Sunday. All right. Great. Thanks. There he goes, Jerry Palm. Great to have Jerry with us today. Big thanks to him. Thanks to our uh, staff, hardworking guys that they are, getting all of uh, our audio from last night ready for today. Thanks to Chris Cookie Cook for his production uh, help today. Great job, Cookie. Back tomorrow with a fresh Patrick Johnson show. I'm actually going to be on softball tomorrow for ESPN+. Plus. They've started to shift around some of the games ahead of what appears to be a rainy Saturday. So uh, I'm going to be with uh, Courtney Layton, and we're going to be calling uh, ECU softball in a doubleheader against Bucknell. So Ben will be here tomorrow. And uh, coming up next week, a big announcement for Ben B-Baby Byram. So you want to stay tuned for uh, that. Have a great rest of your week, and uh, we'll see you Tomorrow morning, Talk of the Town.